You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Rick Francis, pastor here, one of three, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Well, this is the Lenten season. Anybody doing any kind of Lenten devotional these days? I see that you're very traditional, (laughs) following the church calendar. Okay. Well, you know, as I shared last week, Lent is 40 days before Easter, not counting Sundays. Sundays, uh, Sundays are considered celebration of resurrection resurrection celebration. So these Sundays, it's kind of interesting to to look at that. But today I wanted to focus a little bit more on the Lenten. I'm using one of the Psalms that's traditionally understood to be one of the Lenten Psalms. Uh, From Psalm 22 to Psalm 30, uh, those Psalms in that period oftentimes are are kind of identified with Christ and, and his passion and his sufferings. And I think you'll see today in Psalm 30, as we look at Psalm 30, some of the things that are going on. A lot of times when we're we're preaching and teaching and we're ministering the word, one of the things that we're doing is we're we're looking at the positive side. Remember the negativity fast right now? Anybody, how are you doing on the fasting of negativity? Are we getting that down? And the positivity feast. So we're feasting on positivity, we're fasting on negativity. And a lot of times when we're, we're focusing on the kingdom, we're focusing on the overcomer side, we're, we're focusing on the triumphant side of Christ, we're focusing that, that we have been called to walk along with him in triumph and, and to get out of that defeatist, victimized mentality and rise above. But how many of you know that you still have trouble? You still have trouble. And... Uh, as a pastor, I, I, I deal with disappointment all the time, folks that are discouraged, that uh, circumstances aren't going right. Uh, we, we live on this time period between the already and the not yet. And so we've got Christ coming and with his coming is the inauguration of the kingdom, yet it's not fully climaxed, it's not fully maximized. So we're in this season where sometimes we pray for people and they don't get healed. Sometimes we pray for people and they do get healed. And so we're, we're pressing in to understand, Lord, why did it work that time and didn't work this time? And continue to grow in our understanding of how to release and cooperate with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and releasing his kingdom in its fullness. But what happens when you're grieving? What happens when, when something occurs in your life and the sorrow is so deep, what do you do then? Anybody ever just had, had been hit with waves of grief that you, uh, you have no control over? They just come and they can blindside you. They can get triggered like that. You can, you can be through things and all of a sudden, boom, something happens and you're right there and you're, you're feeling the sense of profound loss. 
Well, this psalm is, is not one of the traditional lament psalms, but it's got some lament in it. So I'm going to try to teach us a, a little bit about lament in the midst of Psalm 30, which really begins with a great rejoicing and declaration. So this is out of the New Living Translation, Psalm 30. <clears throat> I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O oh Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O oh Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Can you relate that to anything that happens in the passion of the Lord Jesus? The last week of his life? Yeah. And yet we find that David, who, who, who composed this at the dedication of, of the temple, as he composed this, he, he's remembering some of his own personal stuff. Some of the stuff that took him down. Some of the stuff that took him. But right now he's on the other side of it. And when we get to the other side of it, what can we do? We can praise him. We can praise him that he was with us in the midst of it, that he was there with us. What's the problem here? It's a serious problem. It appears to be a health problem. It appears to be something that could have taken him out off the planet. He could have died. He was so close to death and that he cries to the Lord. But here in this, we, we find that he's praising the Lord because the Lord's rescued him. He, he refuses to let my enemies, you know, get the upper hand over me. How many times, you know, is, is uh, Saul trying to kill David? How many times is David in pursuit of, of those who could kill him? Goliath could have been one of them, but there's so many other opportunities in the midst of all the military conquests, all the, all the battles that he fought, that an arrow could have flown or a sword could have landed or get ran over by a chariot, who knows? But uh, there's all sorts of ways that things happen. But here he's praising the Lord because the Lord's rescued him. And out, out of, as a result of that, he's, he's crying out to everybody else. He says, sing to the Lord, all you godly ones, praise his holy name. His anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may go on all night, but joy comes in the morning. Man, I can think of some times in David's life where his, his son from Bathsheba is sick and is dying, and David is, is, is crying out to the Lord all night. All night he cries out to the Lord. And then when morning comes, he's notified that his son has died. And he gets up and he washes his face and he eats and he thanks the Lord. Hmm. Here, I don't know if he's remembering that occurrence, but he's acknowledging that when the Lord rescues, we sing, we sing. Verse six, when I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, has made me secure as a mountain. 
Then you turned away from me and I was shattered. Boy, when I read that the first time, I'm just saying, oh Lord, help me not to get overconfident. You know, help me not to think, you know, I've arrived. Have you ever had that? It's almost like a, uh, an impending doom kind of spirit that sometimes gets on people. So much so that when things are going well, you kind of rejoice a little bit in the going well, but you know that doom is imminent. You're waiting for the next foot to land. And, and so, you know, there's, there's that almost sense of, uh, of, a, of a spirit that will rob us of the joy of celebration of something wonderful that has happened to us because we, we don't realize, <laughs> I remember Chris Vallotton, he was just sharing in a, in a message, he was talking about this thing had been on him his whole life. So much so that when it got cast out of him, it was the first time in his life he didn't have this sense of impending doom that was about to fall. It was a dread. And it's like, man, Chris, I, I, I've had that. I, I just thought it was kind of my temperament, the melancholy temperament, you know, that you're, you're always, you know, anticipating, analyzing, wondering what's gonna happen next. And, and you think that, okay, things are going pretty good. What's gonna happen? You know, when's it gonna come? Looking over my shoulder. I know it's coming and almost I have faith. I put my faith in imminent doom and, and imminent dread and, and I'm looking for it to come. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No? Well, a couple of you. As a result, we need to be aware that we might be giving a spirit from the kingdom of darkness free rent inside our, our temple. And we need to get rid of that. And I think today would be a good day to get rid of that. So that when good things happen, we can rejoice and celebrate. And when difficult things happen, difficult things happen. We're not prophesying it. We're not putting our faith in it. Some of us have more faith that if we're in a good season, a bad season is gonna come any moment. And we have faith for that instead of faith of going from glory to glory with an ever-increasing glory. Okay. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me and I was shattered. I think this is really interesting because one of the things that you need to understand about the Bible is this is a psalm. This is not something that you would derive necessarily doctrine out of. This is song, this was part of a worship song that's coming out of David's own experience and it's how he's interpreting his experiences. Uh, does God ever leave? Does he ever turn away from you? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But there's times in our life when our circumstances make it feel like God has left us. And I've, I've experienced that so many times and was duped into believing uh, that I'd sinned, I hadn't treated you know, some, someone right, 
And as a result, this is, this is a consequence of behavior, of choices that I've made. And as a result, I'm, I, the Lord has had to distance himself from me. You know, that's, that's what we do in our relationships. When our relationships aren't safe, we got to figure out how much distance I need between you and me in order for me to feel safe. How much distance do I need? Do you know that the Lord doesn't have a security issue? He does not have a safety issue. You in all your worseness, <laughs> if I can express it that way, <laughs> you in all your worseness, he doesn't have to put any distance between him and you. Even when you're intentionally choosing to go a different path than the one he wants you, he still doesn't have to have any distance between him and you. Why? You're not a threat to him. He's not afraid of you. So he's always there. It's kind of like what we see in the Old Testament. If, if, if you come across a leper, you've got to get distance because of the contagion. You're going you're gonna to catch leprosy if you get too close to the leper. So let's get back. And then in the New Testament, you come across a leper and Jesus comes up and he touches the leper. He's not worried about the leper contracting what the leper has. He's releasing what he has. And as a result, lepers are now healed and clean. Hallelujah. So he doesn't have a problem with nearness with us. But yet so many times we think that God has left because of our circumstances because of an emotion inside of us, because we feel like we deserve to be punished, we don't deserve to have intimate fellowship, uh, we just made a choice that just kind of put us on the, on the bench, uh, we've been demoted to junior varsity, no longer get the start for the varsity team, and, and so we, we just continue to put ourselves back. And this is kind of what I think David is sharing in his honesty. And th this is the thing about, about lament that you're going to see in a minute. You, you're honest about how you're seeing the situation, how you're seeing your circumstances, how you're seeing God in the moment. Because if you're not honest there, you can't make any movement. Anything that, that remains concealed, anything that remains kind of below the surface, you can't deal with. So this is how you get it out, through an honest expression. That's why I don't think uh, David's theology is right, but I think his experience is absolutely honest and true. And I think you can experience that. I've experienced that. Doesn't mean God's left. Just means that somehow I've got a disconnect. I cried out to you, O Lord, I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die? If I sink down into the grave, can my dust praise you from the grave? Can it tell the world of your wonderful faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. So we turn. Whenever we sense the distance, whenever the circumstances of life is bringing pain to us, we need to turn to God in prayer. We need to cry out to him. Mm. You have turned my mourning into dancing, into joyful dancing. 
You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Thine Almighty. So that's a good psalm, and as as I I use that to just kind of bounce into to the Lenten period that we're in, to, to look at all the, the dynamics of, of Christ and his passion and looking at the reality of what David has experienced and then to read into the text kind of your own experiences of what you have encountered that has brought difficulty and pain and hardship and, and just felt like God has left. I want to teach you about lament today. Lament. We cry. The first thing that we do as a, as a human being is cry. When we come into the world, we don't come in going, <laughs> oh, that was fun. Ooh. We, we come out of the womb and we're going, Ooh, ah! you know, and we're crying. And it's human to cry. Everyone cries. Our culture tries to make it so males can't cry. Real men don't cry. And if you're playing baseball in the female league, don't you know there's no crying in baseball? <laughs> One of my favorite quotes, Tom Hanks. Yeah. We, we, try to, we try to hide our tears. We try to hide our cry. But a lament is a little different than just being the cry of, of a baby, being cry of a human. The practice of lament, the kind that is biblical, that is honest and that is redemptive is not as natural for us as the crying of a, bur of, of a baby because every lament is a prayer. It's a statement of faith. Every time you're, you're facing something heavy, you're, you're making a statement of faith. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Mm. I just love that. So amazing. Comes from a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. I read this book probably a year ago and I keep going back to it. I think we're gonna to have to offer an opportunity for those that would like to learn more about lament and, and realize that it may not be for the whole, whole congregation, but for those that are seriously wanting to pursue and understand, how do I grieve my losses? How do I grieve when, I, when I've got serious pain? You know, if I, if I announce we're gonna, we're gonna start a series and it's gonna start in June and we're gonna do lament, yeah, that would kill Sunday attendance for the summer. Um, <laughs> But it's something that we need to be aware of. It's something that we need to understand. That in this world, we will have sorrow. We will have trouble. And there's two kinds of sorrow. There's a sorrow that leads to death, and there's a sorrow that leads to life. As believers, we don't have to hide and pretend like we're not sorrowful. We can embrace our sorrow and embrace it in such a way that it leads to life and not to death. Hmm. So the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. So lament, it's the cry of the human heart. Mm. The first thing of lament, and you'll find this in, in the Psalms, is that you turn to God. 
when you just had the wind knocked out of you and the sail, uh, the winds out of your sails and, and you're staggering and you're overcome with sorrow, turn to God. That's the first thing. Always turn to the Lord. Secondly, bring your complaint before him, just like David does. Be absolutely honest. There's more expressions of honesty in the book of Psalms. You know, there is like, I, I, there's hardly a, a human issue that you can't find the psalmist letting God have it because of the difficulty that he's in. So it's just about being honest. It, it, it's not about blame shifting. It, 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 it's about being honest that right now you can't reconcile his goodness with what's just happened in your life. And as a result of those two things, you're at an impasse. So you can either choose to move away from God or you can move toward God. And a true lament moves toward God at the same time giving a full honest expression of what's going on in the heart, what's going on in my soul, how disappointed I am, how discouraged I am, how confused I am. I don't understand it, Lord. And I don't know about you, but I quote him scripture. Your word says, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Why is it I feel like you're on Pluto? <laughs> you know? And here I am in the midst of this. It's the honest cry of the believer who has turned back to God. You don't have to sugarcoat it. It doesn't have to be PG. You can be honest and open and transparent with the Lord. Then once you get it all out there, you get your complaint out there, you're done venting, you've vomited everything that you know to vomit and it's all out there, smelling really nice. Uh, then boldly ask what it is that you want. Lord, help. My enemies are beating me to a pulp. Help. I'm in trouble. If you don't come, I'm going to die. Help, Lord. This temptation has got a hold of me. And if you don't come and break it, I'm going to do it again. It's the honest cry of your heart. Be bold in what you're asking for. You got to be bold with God. Don't, Lord, if it's not too much, could you take my pain down from an eight to a seven, please? No, be bold. Lord, I don't want this pain gone for today. I want it gone forever. Lord, I don't want this sickness in my body. I want it out for all eternity. I don't want a temporary fix. I don't want to find just a little oasis in the middle of the, of the desert. I really want your resort. Check me in. Mm-hmm. To the heavens omni. Is that a good one? It's the only one I've stayed at, so it was pretty nice in Cancun. Ask boldly. And that's all we can do is ask. We can't make him do anything. Has anybody been able to manipulate God into something? Never. Anybody tried? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting how he's not a tame lion. Mm -mm. But he is good. He is good. We can't, we can't manipulate him. 
And because of that, we can choose to trust him. The last thing in lament is to choose to trust. To even trust before you see any kind of shift in your circumstances. Even before there's a shift in the environment that you're in. Even when you're in the midst of the dread, trusting him with statements of, Lord, this is what I know is true about you. You are good, you are righteous, and you are holy. That your love is eternal and that you never turn your back on your children. You're a good, good father. I don't understand why. I don't understand what's going on. But my first point of reference is that I know you love me. I know you love me. For every one of us, whenever we hit the difficult point of lament, where, where we've got pain that just doesn't line up with his goodness, we've got to go to the very first point of touch, and that is, he loves me. He loves me. Why? If you don't know that, the enemy will be right there. And he will be whispering in your ear. You know, he loves everybody else but you. You know, if he really loved you, he wouldn't have let this happen to you. You know, if you weren't such a defective Christian with such pitiful faith, this wouldn't have happened to you. And God would, he would come for you, but you're not worth it because he really doesn't love you. He's only saying that he loves you because you prayed the prayer. And so now he's got to, but he doesn't want to. Anybody heard any kind of nonsense like that in your head? It's amazing the kind of things that he will whisper in the moment of our pain and agony, in the moment of our lament. That's why we choose to trust him even in the midst of it. I don't think there's any more powerful spiritual warfare on the planet than in the midst of being in difficult circumstances under the gun that you say, Lord, I know you love me and I put my trust and faith and hope in you, period. Hmm. Isn't that what happens oftentimes in the Old Testament? They're thrown in the fire. They say, we don't know if he's gonna come through. We know he can, we know he's powerful enough. We don't know if he's gonna come through, but we're not gonna deny him. We love him and we know that he loves us. We don't understand the, the future and the purposes and how God's orchestrating everything, but we know he's good. And there's a fourth that's in the fire with him. Mm -hmm. We have to choose to trust. So I thought I'd wrap up this morning with looking at Psalm 30 again in the Passion Translation. So here it is in the Passion. Lord, I will exalt you and lift you high, for you have lifted me up on high. Over all my boasting, gloating enemies, you have made me, tri made me to triumph. O oh Lord, my healing God, I cried out for a miracle and you healed me. You brought me back from the brink of death, from the depths below. Now here I am, alive and well, fully restored. Mm -hmm. 
So you kind of get the final outcome in the beginning of the psalm. And then from there, he, he challenges us, Oh, sing and make melody, you steadfast lovers of God. Give thanks to him every time you reflect on his holiness. I've learned that his anger lasts for a moment, but his loving favor lasts for a lifetime. We may weep through the night, but at daybreak, it will turn into shouts of ecstatic joy. I remember boasting, I've got it made. Nothing can stop me now. I'm God's favored one. He's made me steady as a mountain. But then suddenly you hid your face from me. I was panic-stricken and became depressed. Still I cried to you, Lord God, I shouted out for mercy, saying, What would you gain in my death? If I were to go down to the depths of darkness, will the grave sing your song? How could death's dust declare your faithfulness? So hear me now, Lord. Show me your famous mercy. Oh God, be my savior and rescue me. Then he broke through and transformed all my wailing into a whirling dance of ecstatic praise. He has torn the veil and lifted me from the sad heaviness of mourning. He wrapped me in the glory garments of gladness. How could I be silent when it's time to praise you? Now my heart sings out loud, bursting with joy, a bliss inside that keeps me singing. I can never thank you enough. Lord, have mercy. Armando's just fine. He, he, he's right there. He's lamenting with us today. Yes. You know, when we have a sense that, that the Lord has distanced himself from us, it's not true. Every time you sense that, you need to just look in the mirror and say, it's not true. Just look to whatever is trying to say, the Lord has distanced himself from you. The sense of his distancing is what you need to press into. That's what we need to step into. Say, Lord, what, what's going on? Is this a consequence of, of choices that I've made that I'm no longer able to be aware of how close you are to me? Is it that I've, I've kind of numbed myself with other stuff? Uh, I, I've, I've done stuff that has caused this stuff not to have the impact. So I, I can't sense your presence as much. But one thing that has really blessed me of late is that oftentimes the sense of distance is, is not because he's moved, but because he's asking us to come up. We may be doing everything that we need to, to have this kind of fellowship and intimacy with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you know, he's a jealous God. He wants us to pursue him. His feminine side always wants to be pursued. And so I think it's his femininity that takes us and he, he kind of withdraws up so that we have to press in, why am I experiencing this, this sense of distance with you? And then the Holy Spirit shows because he's, want, he's got an upgrade for you. He's wanting you to pursue him. There's something that needs to be add to your intimacy level 
that you're currently in so that you can have a greater intimacy at a higher level. Now, if you're not careful, you're going to hear me and interpret that, and I'm sure the enemy will want you to hear this as performance. Well, you're not reading enough, you're not praying enough, you're not doing enough, you're not witnessing enough. No, what is the secret from going to this level of intimacy to this level of intimacy is only known by the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that will tell you, lead you, guide you, speak to you, reveal to you what you need to add to bring it up to the next level. And it's going to be different for each one of us because we're all at different levels to begin with. And for whatever it is, the Holy Spirit, ask him, Lord, Holy Spirit, I feel some distance. And I know, I know Father's here. I know Jesus is here. What, is there something I'm to add to move to the next level of intimacy? Be careful. Uh, I'm always afraid of this language because it's going to make you think that this is your ability to achieve. You know, some of you are really like Eagle Scout kind of people and you can't wait to get the next badge to show that you've moved up and everybody else is down here, but you're the Eagle Scout and everybody else is just a Cub Scout, you know, type of thing. No, 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 no. It's not about that kind of achievement. It's, a, it's about developing and growing in intimacy with him. And that's why we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit to lead us what it is to add. And I've shared this several times already. For, for me, the level of intimacy that I need to add is, is finding more absolute private time with him. Absolute private time with him. Why does it need to be private? The more private, the more intimate. It's a principle that, that goes across all relationships. When I know that there is no one that can hear what I'm saying or see what I'm doing, then I am free to do whatever the Holy Spirit says will take me to the next level. And if you grow up with white boy fears and holiness denomination, one of my fears is dancing. And sure enough, every time I'm in a private place, the Holy Spirit says, dance. Dance with me. Sometimes I'll get a flag because when I'm twirling the flag, it feels like I've got the Holy Spirit kind of in conjunction with me so I can, I can dance and twirl and, and dance with the Holy Spirit. And dance. But it takes, as soon as I do that, I go to another level of intimacy. Why? It's not about the dance. It's about obedience. It's about following what the Holy Spirit says is the next thing for you that will bring you into a greater measure of connection, of intimacy with him. You got to find out what that is. I would love for you to get serious about this and find out what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to add to you. It's not going to be, you know, go to the gym and lift 250 pounds. Unless you're Eric or Matt, one of these muscle guys. It's going to be about relational connection, not a physical performance. If it involves your physical body, it's only because out of your physical body becomes the act of obedience that leads to a greater intimacy. Is everybody understanding that? 
We getting this? Okay. Because I got a lot of time. I can just keep going. No. <laughs> but how many, when I talked about the foreboding spirit, instantly knew that that's something that you may be wrestling with? If that's you, just stand. We want to we minister to that thing, especially if, if we're just waiting for the other foot to drop. We can't, we can't really relax and, and believe the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if, if you're not standing, I deputize you in Jesus' name to, to come and to get along someone and to pray with them. And let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now in the glorious name of Jesus to break off the foreboding spirit that would come to harm your children, your sons, your daughters. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would break off the sense of imminent doom, judgment, uh, something bad's going to happen. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that that thing that may have been with us and attached when we were children and we've walked with our whole life and that we don't even realize that it's, it's there. We call you out in Jesus' name and we command you to leave. And we say, Lord, put the hope of glory in that place. The hope of intimacy, of going from one level of intimacy to the next, of going from one level of glory to the next, of going from one level of faith to the next. I pray for ever increasingness to be manifest now in your kingdom, upon your children, upon the sons and daughters, those that are made righteous by the blood of the lamb. I break off and cancel all assignments from the kingdom of darkness. You have no permission to harass, to torment, or to any way uh, try to confuse in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you, you may not even realize that something's happened until you're eating lunch today. And all of a sudden, you're biting into a good burrito and you're saying, man, this is really good. I have no fear of the next bite. <laughs> I have no fear that this afternoon's going to, you know, all hell's going to break loose. Anybody have that? It's amazing how us, and especially in the spirit-led the spirit -led church, whether you're charismatic or what, if you're walking in, in the things of the kingdom, it's, a, it's amazing to me that anytime we have a breakthrough, we almost announce an attack. One, because that's, what, that's one of the, the tactics of the enemy to keep baby Christians in the baby Christian status is that as soon as you, you step out for the Lord by faith and you take a risk, that you get kind of a counterattack. But there's a point that we've got to break through that counterattack and say, okay, I am going to step even more fully into where I was going until all of a sudden the enemy realizes that his attack on you is only making you more determined to pursue the kingdom with greater fervor, then he'll have to find another tactic. He doesn't want to do the Lord's work. 
And if his attack on you causes you to move closer to the Lord, guess what? He's part of the discipleship program for your life. And now you're in discipleship 101 and you're, you're realizing that and you get scared, so you run to the Lord. You realize that you face opposition, so you run to the Lord. And all of a sudden you're running to the Lord. He wants you to run to addiction. He wants you to run to self-medicating. He wants you to run to other people. You know, he wants you to run to pastor. Yeah. He, he wants you to do something like that rather than running to the Lord. If he can get you to run to anything other than the Lord, he's, he's successful. But when he realizes that every time you find something difficult, you run to the Lord, guess what? He's gonna stop bringing difficulty because what he's doing is he's causing you to be more like Christ and his desire is to bring as much distance between you and Christ as he possibly can to get you to think that you don't belong, you don't fit, and you don't, you, you're not included. So don't do it. Stop it. Stop it right now. When it happens, run to the Lord because he's always there with open arms and he will receive you. And may we be New Testament believers who've understood how to lament to where we get a deeper connection with the Lord. That we don't use the stuff that doesn't reconcile with his goodness and it causes us a breach. And we say, well, if that's what Christianity is about, then blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, Christianity isn't about a way of believing. It's about a relationship. That always gets me when people say, well, if that's what Christianity is, well, you might have an experience that, but that's not the way God is. That might've been your experience in a church, but that'll never be your experience with, with your savior. That'll never be your experience with your father in heaven. He's not gonna do that. His arms are always extended wide open to you. Okay. This is called a series of exhortations from Pastor Ricky to you today. Yay. Loosely tied to Psalm 30. Lord Father, thank you for your love. As the worship team comes to close us out, I just pray that you would release your spirit upon us, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would be the glory and the lifter of our head, that you would cause us to know that you have loved us with an everlasting love, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love that we are eternally bonded, one with you. And Father, I pray for the ability to be totally honest in, in, in the grieving moments of our life. When, when we experience pain that can't be reconciled with your goodness, I pray that as a result, we would turn to you, we'd be honest in our expression, that we would continue to make our complaint. And Father, that you would give us a trust that we would find that resolution in you. And so we'd be closer to you than we've ever been before. Thank you for this morning. And I pray as we sing, Lord, may these be songs from our heart to you, your heart to us, that would cause us to know forever loved, forever cherished. You are good 
mighty, gracious, holy, and deserving of all our affection. And so we pour it out to you today. Let's stand as we sing this last song. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.